Web3 is revolutionizing the gaming industry. There's a ton of opportunity for both companies and players. If you're a skeptic, listen to this podcast because you may just realize why this topic has so many people excited. Welcome back to Uncapped. I'm Aldridge, and today I'm joined by the co-founder and CEO of Animal. In this episode, we talk about how Web3 is changing gaming, why it's valuable, and how you can do this right now, even in a tough market. Let's dive in. So to kick off, how would you describe Animo in one or two sentences? Oh, that's a bit rough. If we had to describe it in one or two sentences, I would say cute animals on robots um, <laughs> extended to video games and collectibles. Mm-hmm. Um, that basically sums up what we're doing. But if I had to go a bit further, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, probably do a bit more than that. <laughs> well, it, it looks really high quality. Um, I really vibe with the aesthetic and, you know, what you're trying to do with it all. I know you have a background in gaming. So you've worked for companies like Epic Games, Activision, Crytek, and Wargaming. Correct. So you've had a specific focus on user experience as well. And you've even worked on games like Fortnite and Call of Duty. What is it about gaming that excites you and more specifically Web3 gaming? All right. So I think it's uh, not necessarily gaming that, that you know, uh, hypes me up. It's uh, more of putting stuff together. Um, I've been like this all my life. So when I saw the art that Andre McNuggets could do, uh, the pilots that Tootsie could do, uh, the talented code that uh, Hoyal could write, the, the vision came together pretty quickly. Um, and I really like it when that happens. Like it's, it's my favorite thing, you know, when a plan comes together like that, mm-hmm. um, and taking all these talented people and creating something that's bigger than the individual parts is also very satisfying. And that's kind of what I'm after. Um, and I would say like the, the main difference between doing so for like a really big studio, um, namely like Activision or Epic, uh, and doing it for Animo is that on one, you're like part of a bigger machine. Um, so your roles are more limited to uh, right. whatever your job title is, basically. At Animo, I'm kind of wearing all the hats all the time. Um, I'll do anything from like 3D modeling to animation, even though my okay. focus is on UX. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's really fun because I, I, I do, as a product designer, get my hands on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it can be a lot of work, though. I can imagine. So it, it's less limitations. And you can kind of pursue different avenues of, you know, creativity, right? It's it's a mix of both, right? Like we can definitely be more creative. Like we make the rules, right? We make the limitations. We uh, kind of decide how far we go with the concepts that we create. Um, but it can also be very challenging technically, right? Like um, how do you take all of this art and put it together in a systemic way that can easily be ported to a game or to a series of collectibles. Um, so even though there's, it's very, very art heavy, there's still like a system mm-hmm. behind everything. Um, and just to give you an example of this, like um, normally when you sell products, you have to assign them a barcode and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We kind of already had that system in place with uh, the serial numbers we created for the robots. And this came from the system we created to kind of put the robots together. So. Um, it's a lot of moving parts, uh, not necessarily just like arts and creative stuff. There's also like technical challenges, which is really fun. Yeah. I, I do notice that, you know, every single component of the Animo character itself actually serves a function, especially in the game. And, uh, it seems 
pretty well thought out the systems that went behind it to kind of build up these generative characters. Yeah, and uh, it's it's something that happened early on too. Like uh, it was like it had to be one of the first things we set in stone so that um, you know we could take the system into the future without having to tweak it or adjusted last minute, which, you know, ends up being a lot of work. Um, and sorry, to answer your question about Web3 again, um, I, I honestly don't think it's that different from traditional games. I, I think we're just leveraging technology that wasn't there before to basically offload our game economy to uh, the blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. So the way we look at it rather is instead of it being like a Web3 game, it's just a game that leverages blockchain technology to kind of function in the same way and develop and deliver an experience that the user kind of already expects, right? Which right. is your traditional games with, you know, your setting screens, your home screens, play, edit your Mac, all this, all this stuff. It just uses this different tech, right? Like our servers are not on Amazon, it's on Ethereum. So that's where, you know, your items are hosted yep. technically. Okay. Um, so it's kind of the same thing, really. Um, it's nothing too different from what you see out there already. If anyone that, that isn't familiar with the project, you know, can you explain how, or, or isn't familiar too much with Web3, how would you say you utilize the blockchain um, with Animo and, you know, some of those assets or the way you store information on the blockchain? How, how does that uh, work with the game and why do you think it benefits it? Right. So the main key difference here is um, when you purchase a skin, for example, on League of Legends, Call of Duty, Fortnite, any of these games, uh, normally what happens is after your transaction goes through and the money goes through, um, Epic just basically switch, flips a switch on their Amazon web services servers, um, and then suddenly you have this item available. Uh, mm -hmm. The difference is with the blockchain, uh, the process is a bit similar in a way that you know you make this transaction, the token that's commonly referred um, and after you send it, you basically mint the NFT for the person. So the key difference here is that we don't host the economy internally. So it's kind of off our hands, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a free market. So uh, the way the user benefits is that they can freely transact in, in any items that they want, right? Um, you know, you can freely sell, buy items however you please, Um you can trade them if you want. You can transfer them. Like it's it's really up to you, right? Yeah. Um, even if you get banned in game, for example, which you know I hope it doesn't happen too much. <laughs> um, you know, we're this person can still take the time they invested, right, and mm -hmm. offload that time. It's like okay, I'm banned, so I'm just going to sell these items and then not play again because I'm banned. Um, even like at that level, like that person still benefits, right? So yeah. uh, I think having a free economy in game is really the plus here for the user rather than, um, you know, you get banned, we just switch off your account. Sorry, you don't get those skins anymore. Um, yep. It's that really hurts, right? Because you put money in, you put time in and um, it's just all taken away. So um, I think we're giving a little bit back to the player, a little bit of control back uh, okay. by leveraging this technology. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely have seen that even if there's some um, accidental bans, you know, where, you know, maybe there was something went wrong and then they can't access their account. Or even if you leave, you know, a game that you've been playing for a few years, you just you just get bored of it. Uh, a lot of that value that you developed in the game just stays there and kind of just withers away. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that, too. Uh, so now I wanted to touch on the collectible aspect. Why did you decide to go into that area? So when we started, uh, we were actually pulling uh, in two different directions. So there's four founders. 
Um, two of us wanted to go the game route and two of us wanted to go the collectibles route. Okay. Um, and then we really asked ourselves, like, why can't we do both, right? Like, let's just go ahead and uh, just do both, uh, keep the scope manageable so that it's we can start off maybe a little bit easier. But um, it's, all, it's something that we've always wanted to do, right? Um, I think everyone in the team has had uh, some form of collectibles or purchased some form of collectibles uh, at some point just by being in the game industry. By default, you just get <laughs> swagged from the office, right? That's like, right. Uh, I think Koyal has a couple of statues from like Robinson way back when yep. uh, for Crytek. Maybe one for Hunt Showdown as well. Okay. Um, I even have some from League of Legends from back in like 2010. I know the oh, big cool. collector is McNuggets. Uh, he was the, the the one pushing for this the most, and I'm glad he did because um, now that we've seen how the collectibles turned out, um, we're really happy with the quality. Right? Like it's it was definitely an effort that was worth it. Um, but it's always it's something that was always there from the start. I have seen the the previews that you've shown, and they they're looking really good. Um, a chicken in a red uh, mech suit, so I'm keen to see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, how long have you been in the space for? So, Web three, I technically started in March 2021, which is when I opened my OpenSea account and wallet. Okay. Not too long ago, but not too short of a while ago either. Um, so it's like right there in yep, the middle. Yeah. I think it's a. a a long time to be in the space it moves pretty quickly so yeah, you have seen a, a number of projects i'm guessing is any projects that you think are special and why you know from what they're doing so <laughs> this is a great question because uh honestly i think all the projects right now except very very few of them are going straight to zero <laughs> um there's yeah. i think it's still very early that's yeah. why <laughs> okay so it's not like oh they're all just bad um there's gonna be a lot of adapting of like the projects that are here right now that are gonna make that's them right. you know pull through but um just to give you an example i think a project that has uh, good potential is a game called big time um yes, you I might have it. heard of it it's, it's an action rpg developed by uh, very seasoned developers. Uh, they have a very clear picture and vision of what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's great. I think it's going to be a great product. Um, action RPGs are prime for for blockchain technology, just like we're doing hosting the economy there. Yep. Um, it just makes sense, right? It's a different challenge because you have loot, which is weird because when a monster dies, do you actually mint the items that it dropped? And if you don't pick them up, do you burn them? So there's a lot of dilemmas yeah. with it, uh, but it's still a very, very good genre to develop for. But I think projects that like that, that don't necessarily say it's like the, their value proposition is not Web3. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think those are the ones that are going to do the best because if what you're selling is Web3, uh, it's like me trying to sell an Amazon web server as something that's great about yes, our game, yes. right? It doesn't right. really make sense. <laughs> It's like, hey, guys, you should play Animo because we're using Amazon yeah, Web yeah. Service. doesn't really okay. ring, right? Uh, you should play it for different reasons. <laughs> but uh, games that, that do this, right, and, and other projects that, that do this and actually create value, create content, I think those are the ones to look out for. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's Web3 is not the main value. It's It's just another layer of technology we can utilize to make gaming better or whatever it is you're offering. Exactly. Better. So... Uh, no, I agree with that logic. Can we get to know a little bit more about, you know, your game? It's Animo Stars Arena. Am I getting that right? Correct. Can you break that down for me just so we can get a bit of 
better understanding of what what it is. Sure. Okay. Um, and I might drop a scoop here for you. Okay. Actually, okay. Uh, just because the the times are, are are a bit scrambled in my head, but okay. um, in essence, it's a top down shooter, uh, mm-hmm. top down multiplayer shooter. It's free to play, um, so anyone can jump on very easily. Um, and there, there's a nice onboarding to it. So we're doing something similar to how League of Legends does it, where they have a free champion rotation a week. Um, we're going to okay. have basically yep. the same thing, but with the, the actual parts. So you're going to get a, a couple of set of parts to play around with, try out, see if you like them. And then you can always mint parts. Uh, so that's going to be an easy onboarding ramp as well. But the game itself is is it's very simple concept. I mean, we're, we're just going with a shooter because it makes sense for us. Uh, we picked top-down because uh, we really like the genre. Um, I think it's a nice fit to start off with. But um, And here's the scoop. Uh, we're <laughs> seriously considering uh, branching off to like a third-person shooter as well, just because it's also a great fit. Okay. Um, so be on the lookout for right, potentially right, right. a fork down the line where we take this this product and this game and we kind of make these two games for it. And the idea at the moment is to keep the economy the same, right? So if you have a skin in one game, you get it in the other one, it's already on the blockchain. So, um, you know, we're not going to play that gacha game with players. Um, okay, okay. Especially since it's the, game, it's the same game, right? Uh, we're trying to get it as far as we can into production before making the decision. Yeah. Um, but I, I would personally love for it to be uh, a top-down aimed multi and mobile platforms yep, yep. and potentially the Switch. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, while the third-person shooter stays mostly on PC and other consoles right, as well. Right. Um, and before you ask which consoles we're getting into, <laughs> um, it's still not official. Okay, okay. Um, you know, we're obviously reaching out and, and trying to uh, have some talks with uh, all the platforms, Sony, Microsoft, Steam even, uh, although they said no. Uh, I mean, to the general public, um, Nintendo, we're, we're going to try to get on all the platforms as many as possible so that That's great. everyone can get their hands on IMO. Okay. Uh, I could definitely see myself playing that on the couch on my switch. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, can you, can you talk more about what, what kind of hoops you have to jump through to actually get onto those, um, different consoles, you know, uh, what's some of the challenges that you face? It's honestly, I think, not too challenging in general. Okay. Um, if you're making a Web2 game, it's it's definitely more of a walk in the park. You just fill out a <laughs> form, you send them your demo, yep. and you know, as long as there's not something uh, highly controversial in your game, it's not uh, you know right. too violent or you know rated adult only, for example, um, you should be good yes, to go. Yes. Um, okay. But since we leverage blockchain technology, it's like platforms are still on the fence whether to allow them, not to allow them. How is it going to work with payments? How is it going to work with uh, their cut of payments? So I think there's still quite a bit to figure out in the pipeline. Um, So what our approach is most likely going to be to start talks with these platforms to see how we can come up with solutions to... Um, basically leverage this technology while still going through their platforms um, and everything kind of being just the same so that the user doesn't have to learn anything new. Uh, They don't have to, you know, the onboarding has to be easy as possible, right? Um, So that's kind of what we're going for. We want to make sure we we talk with Microsoft and Sony about how process payments or go through, how does that reflect in game and all that stuff. So um, we do have to, work out a few kinks uh fortunately i think we have um 
a few contacts here and there that can help us get a door, a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, nothing is final. Like everything is going to depend on on what they ultimately say, right? right. Um, but I think it's a good thing that uh, this happens, right? Like it's a conversation that needs to happen with these platforms. And if it's not us, it's going to be someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as we all push for this, then hopefully they'll start seeing the value and uh, allow all these games in. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of opening the door for the next person, right? You're you're actually uh, pioneering that way. That's pretty cool. So, is there you know any Web two game that you would compare to the Anima game? There's a few actual like good mech games out there, but I think most of them are like uh, third person shooters. Um, right, right, right. Oddly enough, it's comparable to like Fortnite if we do the third person shooter because it's the same genre. It's okay. just you know different weapons and things. Yes, yes. Uh, locomotion, everything is is a bit different. Um, there's a game out there called Mech Arena, uh, which I think is probably a close resemblance. You know, it's about mechs, obviously. Um, it's about an arena, so you know we're two for two there. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. They don't have the animals. They have. Ah. Uh, it's. I think it's more focused on like a sporty PvP thing. Okay. Um, but it's really clean. Like it's a very very nice product. It's a very nice game. Uh, it looks very finished um their trailers are super clean um it's clearly well produced right um and that's what we want to go for and so i i would definitely just try to compare ourselves to what we try to be or what we aim to be um yeah, and that's yeah. kind of the level that we're looking for and, and would you say for anyone that's played some of those games you know what would animo be bringing differently so in this case uh what we do differently is we open up the economy for the player first and foremost, like I mentioned earlier. Um, they they have true ownership of their items. Um, they can, everything's very transparent about the economy. You can see the contracts, see what the the functions are, what you can do with the items, what we can do with the items, if anything. Um, okay. So it's it's very clear. Like I, I, for example, don't know if I play Fortnite. If I get banned, can I request a refund? Things like that, right? right yeah. And this is a huge game, right? Millions of active players <laughs> a month, and no one asks these these questions. That's true. Um, so I, I think this this is the primary value proposition is that that we open up the economy for the player. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're also bringing in a new IP, right? Like the, I, I don't think there's been something too close to anime before, uh, where we take mm-hmm. all of these animals and then. Um, projects as well from the exterior like for example how we worked with cool cats on, on launch um or or others like we, we try to also make it so that it's a welcoming game for for other projects for example mm-hmm. uh i'm trying not to leak anything by the way okay okay <laughs> um for other projects or or artists yeah. who who want to jump in and uh collaborate with us to to create content um, so it's, it's a bit of a mix of a couple of things. Um, also, I don't think I've seen metagame, like the one we're planning out where all of these parts uh, and stats mix in various different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what ultimately determines your build. Yep. Um, I think it's very similar to like counter-strike in that regard where, you know, you either buy a pistol equal round or you go fill build and get your round for a one plus your pistol plus your armor a few grenades and, and that's a different build and you know depending on how and when you are in the game uh, you get one versus the other so um it's it's a couple of things for sure okay um yeah i, I know when animo first launched uh, you did a, a lot of collaborations with some of the projects and prominent artists in the web3 space so 
do you think that you would ever include more of that in game you know with in terms of collaborations i'm uh, i'm guessing that's that's something you have in plan down the road yeah okay yeah absolutely okay. um it's actually one of our main focuses as well oh okay um we we try to uh every so we divide the year into seasons kind of like how how their games do it as well um and yep. this allows us to content like periodically delivered content um we hope to introduce partners and collaborators into those content slots um but we're trying to again develop the system for it so that it's something that's predictable for the players something that they know what to expect right yeah um, they know the next season there's going to be this number of skins this number of paint themes these number of pilots um and then that way we can also start planning ahead further and further down the line right like it can start um i don't want to say any names <laughs> uh but you know i can call x brand or x project yeah. or x artist and you know um call it three months six months in advance and uh start seeing what yeah what could be done in the realm of a partnership okay right? I, I think it's a, a really effective model it gives you know the players something exciting to look forward to and it kind of gives you some key deadlines to hit so something like you know just refreshing you know overwatch every season you know it gives a, a new feel there's some new skins and stuff like that or maybe a new map so yeah no I, I'm, I'm pretty keen to see that unfold so I'm going to switch switch gears a bit and let's talk about the um, collectible side because they look phenomenal right now. And I imagine there was a ton of manufacturing, quality control, all that kind of stuff. And you have so many generative NFTs, right? So I wanted to know, how do you approach um, developing 10,000 high quality collectibles to 3,000 holders? So how do you approach tackling that challenge? So first, we start out small, yes, <laughs> first yes. and foremost. <laughs> um, we, we need to understand what we're getting ourselves into first. Right. Um, and this, this first release also helps us understand the market that we're going into. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the first run is limited, but it doesn't mean that it's going to end right there. Right. Um, so what we're trying to do with this, this first line is try to understand our holders a bit more in this, in this regard. Okay. Um, it's a limited run of 200, right? But uh, if you know we see that there's a lot of demand, right? We're not going to let our holders down and say it's like, sorry guys, it's just 200. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's we're probably going to open up and try to manufacture more, yeah. um, so that everyone's happy, right? Yeah. And then uh, the idea is to ultimately end up in a in a situation where um, you can either get a blind box and it would be kind of a mint, right? You get this new mech with this new pilot, some, That's some cool. paint on top. Um, or you could potentially get yours, the, the, the NFT that you actually have mm -hmm. on ETH um, in physical. Um, but for that, we obviously need to refine this process a bit more. Yeah, 100%. Um, those are more <laughs> complex um, items and products yeah. to produce. So uh, we, we do need to make sure that everything is perfect. Um, we set the quality bar really high um so the whole experience of getting the collectible from start to finish um is hopefully fantastic right like mm -hmm. even just opening the box feels very nice you know with uh the the, the highest finishes that we could find um we checked the, the the actual prototypes a few times we got the deliveries ourselves okay. Uh, just to make sure that it went through, you know, the mail, the yeah, shipping yeah. Okay. Uh, without getting banged up or damaged, making sure the box is fine. It arrives perfectly, the mm -hmm. toy as well, making sure everything is perfect. So 
um, I can say that, and this this has been two uh, McNuggets driving this okay. this quality. So um, I'm really happy with with the level of the the, the quality that the, the bar it was set really high. I think I think so. Even down to the packaging, from what I've seen, it looks really well polished. And I think the approach that you're going with a 200 run of um, it, it's just the same uh, collectible for the whole 200, right? Yeah, correct. So this yeah. is just the farm unit for now. Yeah, so I, I think the costs, I imagine, would skyrocket uh, the minute you want to make every single manufactured collectible different, right? So there's there's a bunch of challenges there, and you need, you also do need to gauge, you know, who's who's actually interested from the holders, who's active, and how, what 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 they're expecting. So it's 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 a fail small kind of situation, right? Before you you do the big <laughs> launch, so. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's 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 like you said, right? It's uh, it's a different manufacturing process. You need all the parts done, basically. So all the molds have to be ready. Um, but not only that, every part has to fit with each other, right? So um, in the case of the NFT, since it was three D, we could we had some leeway of error, and like we had some. I think there there's very little, but there's definitely some geometry overlap between some parts at some points with right, some right, combinations. Right. Okay. Um, but it's yeah. very few with the robots, like the physical version, this can't happen, especially if the parts are interchangeable. So, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's a little bit more work that we have to do in that regard, just to make sure that everything fits with everything. And that, yeah. um, when it does, okay. it comes out perfectly, right. The quality that the buyer is expecting. Right. Okay. All right. So that, that makes it even, uh, harder in my opinion, just like the interoperability between every single component. Okay. <laughs> Um, I've seen a, a lot of projects do some interesting things and I've seen them rise and fall, even with, you know, play to earn gaming a few months ago, that kind of kicked off some of these, I imagine you thought they may do well in the beginning or initially when you first saw them launch and we've kind of seen that not be the case. So can you pinpoint any factors or can you, do you have any examples of why you think some of these projects haven't done as well, um, as you initially thought? Well, I think it generally depends on a few things, right? Um, first, who is doing the project? I think that's that's probably one of the biggest factors. Um, that will tell you what experience they have um, working in similar situations or how this experience can help them drive this product forward. Um, mm-hmm. Second, I, I think the vision of, of, of whatever you're doing is very important as well. It has to be cohesive. It has to mm-hmm. be well-rounded it has to be something that makes sense immediately um if it's hard to explain like for example wolf game um it was a very very interesting concept um and i think we'll probably start seeing more of that in the future like uh harder gambling games or more high race stakes games where um you actually run the, the 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 risk of losing assets um, we'll start seeing that, but in a transparent way, right? Like maybe not so wolf sheep game, but something that's more clearly aimed for that. Um, instead of being this kind of obfuscation of a game with some gambling mechanics and uh, a weird mix, right? So if, if it's not very clear at the start, like my, my litmus test for this is if the game genre is easy to answer, okay then it's probably a good okay. project. Like, is it a first-person shooter? Is it a strategy game? Is right. it a board game? Is it 
you know, you have so many genres for games that not labeling your your game with one is a crime, in my opinion, <laughs> okay, in Web3. Yeah, um, like, th- there's no excuse. There is mm-hmm. no excuse. And pay to earn is not a game genre, please. <laughs> it's, it's just very clear. Okay. Uh, like, so many people say, it's like, yeah, our game is pay to earn. It's like, okay, how do I play it? Oh, you yeah. just pay and then earn. It's like, no, that's that's not how it works. Um, so it's if that if if you know the the game or project doesn't pass that first test of what genre is it, then it's going to zero. Period. <laughs> In my mind, at least. Very true. Um, and that's kind of how I judge them, right? Like I try to take it lay a layered approach. Um, mm-hmm. First, that that one question that just saves me a ton of time. Yeah. Uh, and then I look deeper. Uh, who's in charge? What are they doing? How? What have they done before? How does this translate into the future? What are they doing to carry out this vision? Um, are they focusing on long-term goals? Are they focusing on short-term right, right, goals? Right. Um, are they trying to appease the masses or are they trying to build the product? Because sometimes it can be a challenge. Like you'll see projects that just want to hit that, that next month, the hype for next month. And True that just carries over and over and over and slowly they start dying out because they're not developing anything. They're just trying to maintain interest, but interest in what? That's the big question. Okay. So that's what we focus. We focus on the what we focus on the game. We focus on the collectibles, which means that sometimes we'll be quiet on socials. You know, we're obviously working on that, but um, it's because we're doing, we're not saying like, and it shows we, we put out, constant dev updates we throw out screenshots i'll put them out myself in the server sometimes um you know whenever i start doing some modeling some animations something here and there um, i'll just throw an update a screenshot on the on the on discord or twitter just so that people see what we're up to um but it's not like you know we're not in a rush to do an airdrop or something that's going to bring in a high volume of users so that people say yes the floor went up that's we're not after the floor going up we're after a good product with good value and that in theory should translate in that value being represented in the price of whatever you create i do think some people enter the space and they they may get attracted to the new technology and have a real big focus on that and that just because they may not be experienced in particular industries they don't understand how to translate that across and merge them meaningfully so yeah they often miss what their project really is about so I think I think you've nailed it on the head. So I, I, know, I know there's a lot of games out there and there's a, a debate around whether or not you should include NFTs uh, or Web3 elements. You know, there's the gaming industry is massive. There's already a ton of successful games without that technology. How, how do you know when you should incorporate something like that, NFTs or Web3? Well, I, I think in general, the industry should, if you have a, an economy in game, where the player participates and it's it, it can be tempting as a studio and as a developer, even publisher to want to control this economy because it's like being the federal reserve. You can just print money and, you know, problem solved, right? <laughs> uh, it's not really how it works. Okay. That's why I'm a big fan of having the economy just be free, right? Like let the players transact how they want, let them create however many, like the market will self-regulate right. at the end of the day. And I think that's a huge bonus for, for, for games like this that heavily rely on items, on uh, things that you can use, trade, buy, and sell. Um, examples of this include World of Warcraft, 
Fortnite, uh, Call of Duty, like all of these games have such a wide catalog of items that could just be tokenized and it would just all be free market. And the closest example, in my opinion, is Counter-Strike. They do have the market open. You can buy and sell skins for real money, but it's still on Valve servers. So if you get banned, you're gone. Your skins are gone. Your items are gone. Mm -hmm. If your account gets hacked, it's gone. Bye. Um, It's a bit similar in Web3, though, because, you know, if your wallet gets hacked, you know, you run the potential of losing everything. Mm -hmm. But everything is self-custodial, so it depends on you and you alone to manage the security of your items. Um, You're not depending on, on Activision or Crytek or any other uh, any other company really um which of course uh, not everyone is prepared for so um it does imply that that there needs to be a lot of um education and resources available for people to um stay protected and you know obviously not fall in in some of these scams but um i i think that that's probably like the biggest thing i i I agree with you you know I, i think it's it's that whole free market approach seems to be you know the value to the the end user and it's really about making their their journey more valuable um by using technology if you can't do that with web3 then probably should avoid it people keep saying like power to the player but um they don't really execute on that right they 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 keep everything centralized and um there's no real power on the player's hands at the end of the day they they can't really do anything with what they invest their time in or invest their money in mm-hmm. um it's still you know the company going flip the switch on and off and you get the item or you get it they get it back eduardo you know i think you've covered a ton of stuff today i think it's there's a lot of valuable insights um, that you've given to navigating the bear market your approach to nfts how you should focus on your value and even the the animal brand and you know the direction that you're taking it uh, i i know a lot of the audience after hearing this would probably want to connect with you or the brand, you know, how, how can they do that? Well, we're pretty much, we're trying to be on all socials right now. Okay. Um, mostly it's Animo NFT. Uh, so at Animo NFT on Twitter. Um, I know, I think on TikTok and Instagram, we're Animo underscore NFT. Um, okay. We'll work that out. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, it's mostly across the board Animo NFT at Okay, perfect. Also, make sure you visit our website, animo.art, and check out all the cool animals at the hangar. Okay, um, and I'll, I'll leave a, a link below to all of these. Uh, but one more question before you go. What is your favorite animal pilot? No, this is the hardest question. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God. Okay, I, I think I have like two or three favorites. Um, I want to say the capybara is up there but the macaws okay. as well um the red macaw is probably my favorite um i have right. i think two of those um i'll probably never let go of one of them i think the <laughs> other ones were served for a friend so I, I could just send it to him okay um but they're they're the animals from my country i'm originally from venezuela okay. so okay. uh they're pretty big there you can see macaws every day flying through the city just they just perch oh, on your windows through um and people might think that's great, but they're really, really loud. So uh, if they do it at 6 a.m., it is not fun. <laughs> if they do it at 6 p.m., it's all right. I think I've held one once. They are beautiful, but intimidating. I think it was eating my buttons, and I just kind of <laughs> let it do its thing. I was like, you can have them. All yours. <laughs> uh, 
yeah. Uh, definitely, I think my favorite would probably be the green frog or any of the spiders. I think they're, they're dope. Yeah, we have a couple more. Uh, we actually have a huge backlog of pilots that are coming to the game. Um, oh, really? Okay. I, I'll, I'll reveal a few because, because yeah, the, we have like emperor penguins, buffaloes, deers. Um, there's a few that are not in the collection currently that are coming. They're coming. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> it's gonna great. It's going to look like Jumanji out there. Oh, that's sweet. Okay. Well, um, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a great discussion, Eduardo. And um, best of luck. I'm sure everyone will connect with you. Thank you very much, Aldridge. It's been a pleasure. Back to our listeners. Thank you for listening to this podcast. But before you go, I would love to know what you think about Web3 Gaming. Share your thoughts on our socials. I will leave these links in the description. And while you're there, feel free to subscribe to the pod. Other than that, I'll see you in the next one. Peace.